1: Welcome once again, fellow seekers, to the podcast, God Beyond the Bible, a podcast made by seekers and for seekers. Today's episode is number 41 in our weekly series that is released each Friday morning. We hope you will make this podcast a part of your weekly routine and that it is uplifting, illuminating, and thought-provoking. What about mm. our shout-outs today, Trayson?
2: Yeah, our shout-outs today are to LaPierre Ben, Dale Marslin. Singing in the Roses and Fawn.
0: (laughs) Okay. I like that. Singing in the Roses. Mm -hmm. I like that. Well, last episode was number 40, and it was dedicated to those people who have had a positive influence in our lives and been there with us and for us when the chips were down. We called them rope holders, based on those who saved the Apostle Paul's life by lowering him over the wall in a basket held by ropes, and also those four people who tore back the roof of the house where Jesus was teaching and. Uh, held the ropes that lowered them into jesus presence so that he could be healed
1: right and this episode will be dedicated to a concept that has obviously been around for a long long time but honestly it's kind of relatively new to us here at god beyond the bible Very new yeah it is the doctrine of preterism or people who teach and follow this doctrine are known as preterist and that is spelled p-r-e-t-e-r-i-s-t and let
0: me go ahead and say right here at this point that we're by no means any authority on this subject. No. Uh, this is really very new to me. In yes. fact in fact uh, a guy came up and brought me some garden vegetables and said, I just found out our preacher's a preterist and I I I, I was thinking he was in jail for I I didn't <laughs> I mean I didn't know and then so I had to do some studying and I realized that uh, maybe there's a little preterist in me. So uh Well
2: uh, Let's begin by attempting to define the term preterism for everyone, or at least as we understand it. Um, A preterist is a person who interprets passages such as Matthew 24 and even the book of Revelation as being prophecies that have, at least most of them, have been fulfilled already. Mm -hmm. The preterist view is that these prophecies were about the end of the Jewish age and were fulfilled at the fall of Jerusalem and the destruction of the last temple in AD 70. Uh,
0: The term for those who do not share this view are known as futurist. Now, I've got to say that I've been a futurist probably most of my life, Mm -hmm. even though I've been a partial preterist and didn't know it. Mm -hmm. And remember, that's just the two terms. Preterist means it's already happened. Futurist means it hasn't happened yet. Uh, And this futurist view is the most popular view today. Most people... Tend to have been taught and embrace the view that the majority of Matthew 24 and most, if not all, of John's prophecy known as the Revelation are future events that have not, as of yet, been fulfilled.
1: And we must admit this futurist view is the one that we've personally shared for most of our lives since it's all that we've been taught and basically ever studied. However, the Preterist view that most, if not all, New Testament prophecy, along with the Old Testament enigmatic prophecy of Daniel and a couple of others, was actually fulfilled to the letter at the fall of Jerusalem and the destruction of the temple. It does have a great deal of supporting facts when you look at it with an open mind.
2: And once again, this is not a new way of thinking. Right. In fact, it just may be the oldest view of all of the ways of looking at the prophetic words of Jesus and John. But we'll talk more about that later in this episode.
0: Uh, Probably one of the most definitive works on the concept of preterism is one done in 1878 by a pastor named James Stuart Russell his book was titled and i'm still not sure about the pronunciation here it's spelled p a r o u s i a is it the perosia or the Parousia?
2: according to the youtube people it's perosia
0: okay well, i've been pronouncing it perosia so so uh james stuart russell's book titled the perosia and it and it's also under the title subtitled a critical inquiry into the new testament doctrine of our lord's second coming
2: and by the way um if you want to read this book, like on a Kindle device, it is available on Amazon.
0: And and I just clicked on it, and it's on my. I mean, I just go to it. It's on my uh, iPod, mm-hmm. I, iPad. iPad. Sorry, iPad. iPad. I'm showing my age here. It's <laughs> it's on my iPad. In fact, it's uh, later. Well, we're we're going to talk about it, uh, but uh, I think I wrote down that it's 550. It's actually like 454 pages or something.
1: So, James Stuart Russell's works are still available today thanks to the age of internet. Russell was a very educated man. He held a number of degrees. He entered the prestigious King's College, University of Aberdeen at the age of 12 and by
2: 18 had completed his MA degree.
0: What is that, a Master of the Arts?
2: Mm-hmm. I guess. I was fixing to ask. Okay. I have no idea. I'm right. terrible <laughs> at those. And with that said, if you decide to read the Purusha, it's almost 550 pages. Actually,. 450, 450. I I missed that by
0: 100. (laughs) And
2: it's written in intense detail by a highly educated man, and it's really easy to get bogged down in the details. Russell carefully lays the foundation, and many who have read the Purusha have stated that they will never read the Bible in the same way again. And
0: I want to say that it's opened up a lot to me, and he is very educated, and, and it's very dry... Slow, slow, mm-hmm. slow. Mm-hmm. I'm a, about 100 pages in, mm-hmm. and it's still it's still a very slow thing. But he, remember, let's don't forget what our concept is, preterism here. This is what we're talking about. Mm-hmm. And it's the idea that that most, if not all, of the New Testament prophecies, including the book of Revelation, was preparing the converts for the fall of the temple and for the fall of Jerusalem. Okay, however, this concept or doctrine or whatever category we place it in, in no manner originated with Russell. There are many throughout history who took the view that the New Testament prophecy was pointing to the fall of Jerusalem and the destruction of the temple in A.D. 70.
1: Okay, so if nobody has anything else with that feeble attempt to define (laughs) and introduce you to preterism, we're going to regather our thoughts and return with part two.
2: and welcome back seekers. Today's topic is the preterist view or preterism and I'm so afraid I'm going to say that word <laughs> wrong. Yeah.
0: In segment 1, we introduced this concept and have concluded that simply put, there are two ways that one may interpret New Testament prophecy. The first way, number 1, is the most popular view in the age we live in, it's the futurist view that most if not all of Matthew 24, the book of Revelation were written to be fulfilled sometime in the unknown future that has not yet come and of course the second point of view is the preterist view that most if not all these prophecies have been fulfilled and was mostly fulfilled in a single event being the destruction of jerusalem and the last jewish temple
1: since we're probably at least somewhat familiar with the futurist view let's take a closer look at just a few of the many many things recorded in the bible
2: that support the preterist view the first and maybe most significant of these are the words of Jesus himself. The most entering, interesting <laughs> passage is found in Matthew chapter 16. The chapter begins with the Pharisees and the Sadducees demanding a sign from Jesus to prove his Messiahship. Jesus then warns the disciples to watch out for the yeast of the Jewish religious leaders.
0: And then the next in Matthew 16, we have Jesus presenting the disciples the question who do you say I am to which Peter replied you are the Messiah the son of the living God
1: next in the chapter Jesus tells the disciples how he must go down to Jerusalem and be arrested and killed and on the third day will rise again
2: to which Peter protests and Jesus says get behind me Satan and now we will pick up the narrative in Matthew chapter 16 verse 24 then Jesus said to his disciples if any of you wants to be my follower You must turn from your selfish ways, take up your cross, and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. And what do you benefit if you gain the whole world but lose your own soul? Is anything worth more than your soul?
0: Now Jesus continues now in verse 27, and this is where it gets very interesting. Verse 27 reads like this. For the Son of Man will come with his angels in the glory of his Father and will judge all people according to their deeds. Then verse 28, And I tell you the truth, Jesus says, some standing here right now will not die before they see the Son of Man coming in glory.
1: This same statement is recorded in Mark 9.1. And at first glance, since the event known as the Transfiguration follows Jesus' statement We might interpret this to be the event that Jesus is talking about, or that's at least what we've all been taught.
2: However, Jesus plainly said that some standing there would not die, or in the King James Version, taste death, before they witnessed Jesus come with his angels, judge according to deeds, and establish his kingdom.
0: We have no indication that the events that happened on the Mount of Transig. Transfiguration. I'm getting catching traces of disease here. <laughs> we have no indication that the events that happened on the Mount of Transfiguration fulfilled this prophecy. And besides, this event happened only six days after Jesus made the statement that some standing here would not die. So there's hardly need for such a stamp on an event that would occur so soon. <laughs> right.
2: <laughs>
1: So this statement of Jesus himself is the most problematic statement to the futurist. And again, it is usually set aside with the explanation that Jesus must have been referring to the transfiguration, but it seems pretty clear he wasn't.
2: Well, guys, don't click off of us just yet. We'll be right back with part three and some more compelling arguments of the preterist point of view. And
0: we'll we'll make up for that that time that we've not spent so far. We're, okay. The last, the last yes. segment. <laughs> Okay, fellow seekers, don't get too excited just because we've had two short parts in this <laughs> you episode. we can't get away from we're, us we're, we're, saving it, we're saving it for the last. Okay, we're back with part three of our podcast, God Beyond the Bible, with a new look and an old doctrine that we don't hear much anymore. Uh, since most modern believers have been taught to embrace the futurist view that most of the New Testament prophecies are meant for some unknown time in the distant future.
1: However, there is another point of view that has been around much longer than the Futurist view, and that is the Preterist view, that most, if not all, prophecy in Matthew 24 and the Revelation were fulfilled in AD 70 in the fall of Jerusalem and destruction of the temple at the hand of Nero Caesar. And let me
0: say this right here. Actually... I think it was Titus Caesar. I think the siege started in AD 66. Now, I did a little history on this after Uh I wrote this. And I think Nero Caesar died during the siege. And Titus Caesar, I believe I'm right here, Mm -hmm. I believe. But another Caesar took over. I think it was Titus Caesar took over. And he actually was the one that was in power at the destruction of Jerusalem. And he actually begged those people to just give up. He didn't want to destroy Jerusalem in the temple. He even, I understand, I'm reading some of Josephus' writings. He sent Josephus in to plead with them. Yeah. Look, folks, we don't want to destroy you all. Anyway, so yeah. anyway, so we're laying this at Nero Caesar because he gets all of the. But he started the siege on mm-hmm, Jerusalem.
2: Right. And we've looked at a statement by Jesus himself that said that some of the disciples themselves would be alive to witness his return in judgment. This itself is a hard statement to balance with our futurist view, that Jesus was speaking of an event that would take place 2,000 years and counting into the unknown future.
0: So now let's take a look at Matthew 24 and the question presented to Jesus in his reply because it actually all started, but we'll we'll get into it. The chapter begins with Jesus and his disciples strolling along on the temple grounds and the disciples pointing out the grandeur and the magnificence and the beauty of the temple grounds and the
1: buildings. Jesus then informs them that there is coming a time when all this will be destroyed
2: and not one stone will be left standing. Perplexed by this statement, the disciples ask what, is in, ask what is in the futurist view a series of questions. However, in the preterist view, it's only one question on their minds, the destruction of the temple.
0: So let's read. We're going to start in Matthew 24, verse 3. Later, Jesus sat on the Mount of Olives. His disciples came to him privately and said, Tell us when all this will happen. What sign will signal your return and the end of the world? And I put world in quotations here.
1: Okay. So first, let's remember what was perplexing the disciples. It was Jesus' statement that the temple would be destroyed,
2: not something that might happen 2,000 years in the future. And just to keep in mind, too, you know, the temple is a big deal. It, it in was the everything. Right. Yes, it was everything. That, that it was, was life. The, Every was, day was the temple. It
0: was It was. Uh, G- uh, their whole religious world yes. revolves right. around the temple.
2: But where we have our difficulty is in the English translation, where it appears they're asking about the temple destruction and then asking about the end of the world, which is...
0: Well, how Quite a the, bit different. Well, and that's how the English Bibles, all mm-hmm. of our translations say, "and the end of the world. Mm-hmm. The problem is they did not ask about the end of the world. The word they used was the Greek word, aion, Aeon, which means age. So they didn't ask when the world would end. They asked when this age would end, clearly speaking of the Jewish age, since the destruction of the temple would end the age of the temple worship as they knew it. Remember, in their minds, no temple, no religion. No presence of God.
2: And keep in mind, too, this is something I learned in helping um, Tabby and her kids with some of their Bible teachings they've been doing. The Jews divided time by they had the Abraham period. Right. They had the tabernacle period. Uh They had the first temple period and what they called the second temple period, which is where they were. The first temple period
0: was Solomon's temple. Yes. And and then then it was destroyed. This is another temple that's been Mm -hmm. rebuilt and now this one's going to be destroyed this was
2: literally how the way we define our time by bc and ad Mm -hmm. that was how they divided their time was into these temple periods That's that's
1: right so
2: the fact is if you look most english bibles have a footnote
1: on matthew 24 3 that tells you that the word was age and the reason this is important is that when we use the right word this passage doesn't become three questions at all but a single question that has three parts the question itself has a plural indication. When will all this happen, or these things happen? There you go. Then, what signal, what sign will signal your return and the end of the
2: age? And they
0: saw it all as the same thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It was all it, to them. If the temple was going to be destroyed, it's the end.
2: Yeah. And that was what the disciples were concerned about. This one single event the destruction of the temple, and the end of the age of temple worship.
0: It is unfortunate that our translators who clearly took the futurist point of view chose to manipulate the translation so the reader would take the same view that they did. When we read the end of the world, we think something totally different than the question the disciples actually presented to Jesus, which was, what will be the end of this age?
1: Mm-hmm it is recorded in secular history that the very events jesus describes in matthew 24 occurred at the fall of jerusalem from the false messiahs where josephus records con men using the oppression of jerusalem to promise to deliver them to the clear words of jesus that said when this happens you won't have time to run home and pack your clothes just escape to the surrounding mountains if you are in the field don't go back to your house just run and i
0: want to stop here for a moment did you ever really think about that? He's talking about physically, don't go back down to get your mm-hmm. coat. Don't go down there pack your clothes. Now, we don't. how do we associate that with the re, In we some time a, in the future of the return? We
2: have of, a tendency to claim that it's allegory. It's hyperbole. Well,
0: but why does it? But run to the hills? I mean, you're talking about the hills of Rome. You're talking about right. escaping yeah. into the hills of Rome here. Okay.
2: Well, Jesus mentions the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet. And we're still
0: all in Matthew 24 mm-hmm. here. Go ahead.
2: Where the futurist concludes that at some time in the still unknown future, the, quote, Antichrist will stand in another end-time temple and declare himself to be God, when the reality is Nero Caesar did exactly that. Well, all
0: the Caesars did. Mm -hmm. Even Titus, all of them, I'm your God.
2: Mm -hmm. Yes, all Caesars claim to be God.
0: That's what Caesar means.
2: Yes. (laughs) It was the Jews' defiance of Nero that fueled his hatred for Jews and Christians alike, and led to the destruction of the temple.
0: Now scholars have known all along, we're talking about it and we're skipping along mm-hmm. here, we're assuming that you know something about Bible prophecy here. Scholars have known all along that Nero Caesar's name in numerology was 666 or 616, depending on which method of calculation was used. And let me say, some Bibles will say the mark is 666, Uh huh. some Bibles will say the mark was 616. Mm-hmm. Nero Caesar met both of these, and since John received and recorded the prophecy of the Revelation in A.D. 65, it was just five short years before the fall of Jerusalem. It was actually just one year before Caesar declared war, mm-hmm. before he declared and sent in to destroy the, you know, to destroy them. But it took five years to to get the siege over. But just five short years before the fall of Jerusalem, he knew this code would be easily understood and interpreted.
1: Mm-hmm. As for the Mark of the Beast, Nero also required coinage with his image on it to be carried and used for all transactions. Many Jews and Christians alike refused to pay homage to Nero by using the coinage carrying his image, and they were killed for refusing it.
2: The Preterist approach is that the age of the Kingdom of Jesus Christ was established at the destruction of the Temple and the wiping out of the Age of Judaism. And that the terrible conditions and abuses placed on the Jews at that period was the great tribulation that Jesus predicted would come with the temple's fall.
0: And so before we jump into anything in Revelation, let's look at one more passage. Let's look at Matthew 24. Now this is coming right down to the end. We're coming to the close of Jesus telling them, when this stuff's going to happen, when all of this is going to happen, and Tabitha's going to read to us. Now, this is recorded in Mark 13, 30, and Luke 21, 32. But since we're using Matthew 24, Tabitha's going to read to us Matthew 24, verses 32 through 34.
1: Okay, verse 32 says, Now learn a lesson from the fig tree. When its branches bud and its leaves begin to sprout, you know that summer is near. Verse 33 in the same way when you see all these things you can know his return is very near right at the door 34 I tell you the truth this generation will not pass from the scene until all these things take place
2: and we must mention here that the very first words of the book of Revelation right in the first verse is the warning that the things about to be received by John must happen very soon
0: And the text would not be true to the reader of that time period uh, if the very soon meant more than 2,000 years in the distant future.
1: According to the futurist view embraced by our modern age, we can explain this away by quoting a thousand years as a day and a day as a thousand years. But possibly, more accurately, the preterist view is that it was to be very soon, just five short years after the warning was issued.
0: Okay, let's think about a couple of things. Let's compile this just a little before we come to a conclusion here. First of all, Jesus said, some of you standing here will not taste death until these things happen.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: All right. Then we read and we're tapped with the red in Matthew 24:32 through 34, where it says, this generation shall not pass. Now, he didn't use, he said generation. He used the word genea. This generation shall not pass. Now, a generation is considered to be 30 or 40 years in that mm-hmm. time. Right. And, and in A.D., he was, Jesus was speaking these words in about A.D. 33 to A.D. 35. And it would be 35 short years later that the siege in the temple would fall. That would fall within a generation, right?
2: Yes, yes I mean,
0: so. And then we read in the book of Revelation, to be true to the text, we, let's, let's get us all up to speed. He said, when he started out the whole book by saying Write down these things that must happen very soon. Mm -hmm. So to be true to the text, like we said, a couple of thousand years is not very soon, is it? No, no. In fact, the Preterist claim, and they've had some pretty good indications that everything that John wrote in the Revelation actually occurred. Some horrendous, horrific things happened during the siege.
2: And just... 35 or so years after jesus said to his disciples some of you standing here shall not taste death until these things happen
0: and then came 35 years later the destruction came yes are we i
2: think we're ready to conclude
0: like most of our discussion topics due to the almost brainwashing effects of our modern religious uh teaching and uh and and indoctrination Many will not allow themselves to even consider such matters as preterism out of fear of being accused of heresy or shunning and finger wagging by those who have labeled themselves religious experts. It all depends just where each of us are in our journey. Some may not be ready to accept that we may not have it all figured out after all. We're not implying that we here at God Beyond the Bible wholeheartedly embrace this preterist view, but there is enough evidence for an open-minded seeker to at least research and consider the matter. That's all we're trying to do right, here today, yes. present you with this, with this topic. As with all controversial topics, each side will vehemently defend their point of view by pointing out the flaws in the opposing view while ignoring their own deficiencies. This one thing we may be sure of, God has it all figured out. And a perfect plan, and he also has a perfect plan to accomplish his desire then, now, and in the future.
1: So with that being said, from each of us here at God Beyond the Bible, as always, God's grace, peace, and love be on each of you and those you love,
2: our fellow seekers. Did you enjoy listening to God Beyond the Bible? Do you have an idea for an episode? Connect with us today. Visit our website at GodBeyondTheBible.com, all one word, or send us an email at email at GodBeyondTheBible.com, or you can visit us on Facebook. Just type God Beyond the Bible into the search bar.